Hey, welcome back to Uncommon People and to episode number 35 of the show. The show about, if you're wondering, um, normal everyday people and the journeys that they've been on, what they've learned through their life and through their experiences and the perspective that they carry with them. This is a chance for me and for you to sit and listen to someone else and garner some wisdom from the life that they've lived. Whether you agree or disagree with everything that they have to say, um, other people are worth listening to and have wisdom in the life that they've lived and the perspective that they carry. So I hope you will go into this conversation with an open mind and be prepared to learn some things. This conversation was one I had with James Rutledge about his life, his experiences. Uh, We talk about his growth mindset and time management and um, a bunch of different things. We go into a lot of just perspective that he's learned over the course of his life, even if we don't necessarily cover that many specific stories. Um, So I hope you enjoy this conversation and that you learn something from it. Like I said, it's number 35. Um, A note, this actually will be the last episode that releases for the foreseeable future. I plan on continuing the show again at some point, but the format that it takes will be likely a little bit different, and I'm not sure when recordings will resume. But that said, I hope you enjoy listening to this kind of thing. I hope you enjoy the conversation um, and the things that you're able to learn from it. I hope that this feels like a real and organic experience for you sitting and listening to these conversations because that's the goal. Uh, The goal is that this would feel like you get to take part in a conversation between two people um, and get to be privy to something that you might not normally be because you don't know the same people or haven't asked the questions. Because, like I say, everybody has a story. Um, If your life feels normal, it's because you've been the one living it. But to somebody else, it may be really extraordinary. So take that um, into consideration when you listen to these. And I hope that whatever you get from this episode is something that helps shape you and helps you to just look at people a little bit differently and have perspective when you make conversation with people. Like I said, this is number 35 of Uncommon People, and there is going to be a bit of a break before the next one is released. But in the meanwhile, I hope you enjoy this episode and those that have preceded it. So without further ado, this is my conversation with James Rutledge. to be, you know, in my mid-twenties, I was very career-driven, um, new relationship, serious 
you know, relationship, marriage, talking marriage, stuff like that. Um, I was in the restaurant industry. I was bumbling around, fry cooking, prep cooking, drinking, partying, chasing girls. Uh, and when I started to get serious with my ex, I was 25, I guess. Then all of a sudden I really started to get serious about food and the art of it. And, mm. you know, the art of running a fast paced kitchen. There was so much <laughs> pun intended, I suppose. There was so much on the plate for me to eat from as far as knowledge goes and growing and getting better at something. Um, I didn't have a lot of other options, but mainly because I had not done things in the same order normally people do. I started white collar out of high school, selling radio advertising for a local radio station. Uh, didn't really have a trade, but I could sell stuff. Uh, so I, I played with that for a couple of years, made some really good money, um, but I just started hating it because I, I wasn't really learning. I was just chasing money and I figured that out pretty quickly on. Um, Takes some people a lifetime yeah. to realize that's not something worth yeah. chasing. Uh, I took the restaurant job just because a dime a dozen, you could get one, you could leave one, you could get another one, no big deal. There were a lot of times that I would just leave my apartment, close out my rent, close out my lease, and couch surf and work three kitchen jobs. Always had a place to crash. Always had a place to go, right? And I was making money and just sticking in my pocket. Pay somebody 20 bucks, bring a six pack of beer, they'll let you crash on the couch. You know, no big deal. Uh, so I wasn't really serious about anything. I was just partying my ass off and having a good time, making money. And when you can do that when you're 20, 22, 23. Yeah. You know, Lord knows that ain't happening now. But uh, So got serious about cooking and, and learning and moved up the ranks pretty quickly. Um, got, got to some head chef positions, um, executive chef position at one point, management, general management, uh, developed some real skill in maintaining food cost and labor cost and operating efficiently and a clean line and, and, you know, uh, a sober, I say sober, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A very kinetic, cohesive team. Mm -hmm. uh, so I developed a lot of skills in, in that area beyond the food, um, which is really the whole reason I got serious about it in the first place was the food and the art of it. But in order to make more money, you've got to step up and take these other roles on. Yeah. Uh, 2008 housing crisis. I was managing a restaurant, very popular. We were very successful, great food, great staff. Uh, and the housing market crashed and Fayetteville got hit hard. Restaurants. Um, my ex is a hairstylist. You know, all of those things that people do because they're working or they have money, they quit doing. And 
it was scary. I had a brand new baby. My child was only a year old. Um, I was making good money, but there wasn't any money coming in. People just stopped going out. And we had to make huge adjustments and it became very scary. Uh, and I decided that at that point, I'm gonna stick with this long enough to learn something new that's not gonna leave me in a lurch if the world decides to fall apart again. And that's when I decided I was going to take a welding course at tech school here. Uh, and it was a, an apprenticeship course, something I'd always wanted to do, but it was just the basics. But it was a two-year class, and it was a couple nights a week. So I had we shut the one restaurant down. I helped some friends open another uh, and was there for about two years while I finished school and got a job right out of school after getting my completion certificates from this apprenticeship course, making 10 bucks an hour as a welder. And I learned more because I was a sponge at that point, you know, and I didn't have a choice. And I loved what I was doing because I was just learning every day. And the job I got was surrounded by a bunch of old guys who'd been doing it for a hundred years, cranky, pissy, smoking cigarettes, drinking in the bathroom, you know. Uh, but I learned so many different processes and so many different machines and so many different ways to do this and do that. That first two years as a welder, I learned more than I have since. Hmm. Honestly, I can say that. Uh, wow. It was intense. Just, just the nature of my position the newbie and I'm, you know, I was 34 years old. I'm the greenhorn in the welding shop, you know, uh, that's just my mentality. If it, I will run into something and I will run it till it's done. And if I'm losing it and I'm bored and I don't want to do it anymore, that's when I get frustrated. That's when I start sketching out because now I need to find something else. And what do you want to do? Where do you find the information? You know, and that's kind of where I'm at at this point in my life right now. I don't know that I want to go back to welding. I don't know that I want to go back to the food service. I've looked into a few other jobs. I'm, I'm, I'm learning to kind of learn that I can do what I, I want to do still. I still have that option, you know, and I have these other things I can fall back on if I need to. It doesn't seem like a lot of people your age would have that attitude that you could still do the things that you want. Yeah. I think even people my age are told that that's not really an option, that you go to school so that you can do something practical with yeah. the degree that you paid for, and then you stay in that, and you're essentially choosing a course for the next four years of your life. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that, was, that seems was, a little misleading. I was... I was I was raised that way. I mean, I know my parents were, and they both stuck with their fields and made successes and had family. Uh, I guess- You can absolutely do it that way. Uh, yeah. But you don't have to. You don't I have think. to. We moved around a lot when I was growing up. I never went to the same school for more than two years until I got to Fayetteville High School. And it wasn't that we were moving, moving, moving. 
you know, there were zoning changes or you go from elementary to junior high, whatever, you know, but I was never in the same physical structure for very long ever as far as school goes. Uh, so change has always been constant for me. I don't set well. I don't sit still well. Uh, I don't stew well. I've got to be moving. Uh, I get bored pretty easy uh-huh. uh, with life, especially when you get into that humdrum and you get into that punch the clock and you get into that stay on course mentality and then you wake up and three years have gone by and what have you done? Well, not much. I mean, you did a bunch of work. You know, you made some money, put the food on the on plate, kept the heat and the lights on. But what about you? Where, where have you been for the last three years? You know? Well, for the last 10, I've been under the hood. I've been welding. You know, and I've built a lot of crazy shit and I've built a bunch of really cool stuff and I just... I don't know. I don't know that I really want to learn anymore. It's not that I can't or don't want to, or it's not that I can't. It's that I just don't really want to. Time to move on, do something else. Hmm. I watched my parents. My mom was in marketing, advertising, radio. She was a DJ when I was born for a little rock station. Uh, my dad was a television engineer, and so that's how they met. Was working in the radio station together. Um, it's my stepdad, mind you. My mom was single mom in 1975 middle Missouri uh, but they took those talents that they had and built a life and career and a family and then as they got to be 45 50 uh, you know my dad went through this I'm not doing that anymore I want to drive a big rig and so he went to school and learned how to drive a big rig and put an engineering degree in a whole life that he built stuck in the back corner, you know, Hmm. never to go back. Uh, My mom got very community-oriented when she got into her 50s. Um, She's still able to use her media and marketing and and broadcast experience in those venues, uh, you know, to to market and promote food kitchens, uh, events, fundraisers, stuff like that. Um, so she's been able to do that, but she just took it in a whole other direction. And there have been many years that my mom just didn't make money because she was running this food bank or, you know, running this co-op organization here and volunteering at this. Uh, so watching them have done that, it always frustrated me that they were always nose to the grindstone, always, growing up. I mean, you didn't get to hang out with my parents because it was ta 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 you know. It, but it, to their credit, that's how they were raised, and that was yeah. they knew. It took them until their fifties for them to be like, "Screw this! I'm you know I'm gonna do what I want." And, and now it, you get to look at that, and now move on in right. your life, learning lessons yes. from what yeah. they've done as well. I I I watched that transition happen, and I was so excited for both of them, even though they weren't making good money or you know being financially successful or whatever, they were happy. They were just happier people, you know? And, and so I, I took that to heart. I watched that. And that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, I'm 47. I, I'm most likely in the middle of a full-blown midlife crisis. Uh, I don't think of it as a crisis. Kind of a storm on the water. 
shit's crazy mm-hmm. coming at me from every direction. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to take my time and figure out what I want to do next. Uh, I'm at the point where I've even had to ask family for some help financially. And I'm okay with that. And they're okay with that. Uh, so I've got some time to focus and figure out what's best for me, which is what's going to be best for my kid and any future relationships I may have, you know, um, just my, just having watched my parents make that transition makes this a lot easier for me. Cause if I had done this 10 years ago, I, I probably would have lost my shit because I hadn't come to that open mindedness yet. Uh-huh. I was still stuck in that, that rhythm. Go, 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 you know? Yeah. And I, I didn't have the scope then that I have now. So I think, I think that would have been really bad. I'm glad it didn't happen 10 years ago. Yeah. You know, your yesterdays have prepared you for today though. Yes. I would. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I, I would like to think so. I hope so. Yeah. I mean, as much as any of us can be prepared, right. I, I don't say prepared and I'm meaning completely ready. Right. Cause you're never ready for anything that you've never done before. No. Truly. Usually, but, always need a different, another tool. Yeah, some, somewhere along the line. Right. Yeah, be kind of boring though if uh, you came to. I, I don't know. Maybe this is just ridiculous fantasizing. But if you came to a place where you had all the tools already, oh, and now nothing was surprising and nothing caught you off guard. I mean, to to what you were saying, nothing at that point would require you to grow. Yeah. Or learn. Yeah. And there is something. I think really fascinating and gratifying as a human being about the next thing and being able to grow into it and recognize that that is a part of life. It's yeah. the process of learning. It's not, it's not always easy. Yeah. And it's also not, I don't want to make it the whole focus. That's something I've been asking myself recently is on the spectrum of, content Mm. in stillness and in what is to pursuit of growth and change and development where do i want to be yeah because i do want to have a life that is characterized by content and by quiet yeah but when that when i have a whole week and i don't feel like i've grown or or week is harder to notice but let's say a year yeah and i look back at that year and i think what what have i what have i done and i'm only 27 you know that can be hard for me because i recognize that at least currently at this stage there is a draw a pull to growth to change to intentional good and change in my life and if i just sit not out of contentment, but maybe out of laziness or complacency or right. stagnation, that that does me harm for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think it's innate in, in everybody, the need for growth. I mean, again, we're, mm-hmm. we're a carbon-based organism. We're continually growing, you know, until we're not. Just as our bodies stop growing and start decaying and start shrinking and becoming little old wrinkly people, you know, the mind, your mind, your soul, your spirit, your heart, all of those things uh, are still there and still viable. 
and need to be fed. And I just think that's that's probably the most exciting thing about getting old, getting older, is that I know I can still do that. I'm still going to have that ability. I'm still going to be able to sponge up knowledge and learn things and have experiences that I haven't had. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, getting old is daunting, and it's always in your face, and it's always there. And the, the older you get, the heavier that is. It's always in your face. You know, being almost 50, I can't believe when I even say that, that I'm almost 50. Because in my mind, I'm still 30. You know, I'm still capable to do these physical things, much less all the all the mental requirements of getting through this crazy fucked up world, you know. <laughs> My body's like, mm, no, you, you're going to have to dial that back, uh-huh. which, you know, I guess if a pessimist would look at it, that's grumpy old man thinking right there. You got to dial it back, man, you know. But you get to you get to dial up the other more. You get to turn your brain on and and your heart on, and you get to suck that up more now. So all those things you worked so hard for all these years, you you missed out on a lot because you were working so hard. Now you got an opportunity to enjoy the hard work. Have that peace and that quiet and that comfort so that you can turn up the heart and the soul and the mind and just really start learning all the things that you've worked so hard to find. You know, it's kind of ironic that you work so hard to find something you don't really have to work for. Hmm. It's already there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yep. It takes, uh, takes a lot out of you to, to live life that way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're all on the hunt. And I mean, it, it speaks to me of purpose. People, people, human beings, aside from being animals, are trying to figure out why they are what they are. Why does their life matter? What are we supposed to do? Yeah. And that's a beautiful pursuit. Um I finding some answers to it also is beautiful. I don't want to live in this state of constantly asking a question that doesn't have an answer. Right. It's like chasing the wind. Right. Psychic ambiguity. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's no more chasing the wind, I think, than assuming that I'm only an animal and that it's all about just working hard so I can food on the table so right. that I can eat so that I can stay alive so that I can go back to work. Right. Um, yeah. If that's all there is, I, I'm going to look for something else. Yeah. That's, that's just a living. That's not living. It's not living life. That's, yeah. You know. I mean, unfortunately that's the way that society is. And that's, I can speak that about this community and, and this general area of the world, you know, and there's nothing wrong with it. I just think that if people could shake that off a little bit every once in a while and go out and grab some fun or some life or some experience um, and remember 
that this is just one way to get where you're going. Mm-hmm. You know, clock in, clock out, five days a week, 401k, get your pension, buy a house, you know, all, all the American dream. There's nothing wrong with that. It's beautiful. It's a great concept, but it's a concept. It's not, it's not a hard and fast rule on so many people, especially my generation, you know, uh, we're kind of able to shake that off a little bit. The younger generation, your generation, you guys are already there. And tech has played a big part in that. And the ability to do this, that, and the other, just at the touch of a finger, you guys have kind of shaken off that that American lifestyle, that, that perfect American life concept. Well, at least been exposed to alternatives. Alternatives are there. Yeah, yeah. So... You guys have a different scope of vision about the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really at a point in my life when I just, I did that, I tried that. That concept is very hard, it's daunting, and there's not a huge reward at the end of it unless you've worked for a very specific goal of completing that in its context, in that concept. You gained what you could gain out of it. And, you know, again, if you can pull that off and be happy with that, absolutely. That's admirable, number one. You know, that's a, that's a good work ethic. That's treating people right, part of your community. Those are all wonderful things. Uh, you got to really feed yourself to, yeah. you know, yeah, I, I would say speaking to that lifestyle of essentially go to work so you can put food on the table so you can go back to work. Right. As a concept, I wouldn't say there's nothing wrong with it. I would say it's not totally wrong right? or that there's good in it. Um, just like I think there's good in the hippies running around saying, you know, <laughs> I need more freedom in my life right. and you can't tell me that I have to do this this way because I can find a different way. There's good in that too. Yeah. And there's also a lot of hard edges that need to be softened and there are flaws that need to be remedied mm. and there are methods that just aren't that practical or usable or scalable that need right. to be fixed. And that that's kind of become a motto for me is that everybody's at least a little bit right about something, but nobody's totally right about everything. Yeah. And so I want to be able to look at, right, I work in Bentonville. Let's look at this industry world that I live in, all these people driving around and their brand new SUVs constantly because they work for big money. Right. I want to be able to look at what they're doing and say what, if anything, about the way they're choosing to pursue life is enticing to me. Yeah. And how can it actually be beneficial? How can I refine that method maybe or that right. that concept and learn from it, right, to grow without just jumping in and saying, no, I'm just going to do this because this other person did this and it, quote, worked right. for, for them. them. Yeah. Like what does it mean for it to work? Right. And that does require buckling down and asking those questions yeah. and being willing to fail 
and mess things up yeah. and run into, hey, I need to ask family for help right. this month because right. I haven't got it all figured out yeah. and I don't have that yeah. that yeah. pension or that savings account that I can fall was, back on or whatever it is. One of the, it was one of the conversation points that I had with my family was, was that uh, uh, this last year I've been in situations and particularly hard situations that I've never faced or dealt with before. Uh, also, I was injured severely, uh, which limited my ability financially to maintain. <laughs> and so, you know, I was, that's what I was telling, saying to my family, I'm like, I messed this up, obviously. It's not all my fault, but I can pinpoint, yes, yes, this is mine. I did, I own that. Mm-hmm. I'm in a situation I've never been in before. I'm at an age I've never been before. I'm seeing things from this perspective that I have gained because I've been through the last year and I need help. I don't know. You know, I don't know. I know where I screwed up. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to fix this stuff. And this is all new. I'm looking at a, I'm looking at a new puzzle all of a sudden. You know, I know what I need to do to put a puzzle together and where to start, but that's going to take time. So in the meantime, I need some help. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was, that was hard. That was, that was a, that was yet another kick in the dick, so to speak, uh, self-induced, but it had to be done. You know, I mean, learning how to ask for help is very difficult and incredibly rewarding <laughs> later yeah. when yeah we're as as a society in terms of the society that I've lived in and experienced here in the US we're very individualistic mm-hmm. and very we like to think of ourselves as very independent and what that means is we have a really narrow focus mm-hmm. and we think of ourselves as actually providing for ourselves all the time but i didn't make the chairs i'm sitting on i didn't cook i didn't create the chicken that's in the fridge i didn't grow the vegetables that are there i didn't build the car that i'm driving to work there's a lot going on and that has gone into enabling me to live my life Mm -hmm. and if i don't know how to ask for help or i'm too prideful to ask for help really because i can't my focus is too narrow to notice all these other things that are already people, other people, and other systems enabling me to get to where I am. Yeah. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I just really was faced with learning that lesson when I moved here because I totaled my vehicle oh. shortly after I moved here. It was wintertime. Oh, no. You were I hurt, had, were you? No, I was no. completely fine. Yeah. Um, that that was actually a, a fun fun little adventure, <laughs> unexpected, bad, very much unanticipated. But uh, as most car accidents are, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. Hopefully, at least at least most of them, yes. But I I needed help. Yeah, I mean, when I moved here, I needed help too. I didn't have anywhere to live. I didn't yeah. know anybody. I didn't have a job. Yeah, and I knew going into it. And prayed that I would be able to find the people who could help me. Yeah. 
And then when faced with the opportunity to ask, I still wasn't the one asking. Yeah. I miraculously, I say by the grace of God, was being offered things that I needed. I was being given the stuff that I needed. Yeah. And not the stuff, like the material things necessarily, even though those were as well, but shelter, opportunity, yeah. community. Yeah. They were, it was like they were handed to me. Other people look at my life, some with annoyance. Tuck is one of those people. And just how things just have seemed to work out for me. Yeah. And a lot of the time, in the middle of a situation that is feels rough, it doesn't feel like things are working out for me. But looking back on them, how things tend to turn out yeah. seems to be generally pretty yeah. in my favor. I'm not, I'm not a religious person. Uh, spiritual, yes. You know, um, I, I, think you, I think you resonate on a level that either pushes things away from you or it draws the things you need toward you. And that's an innate characteristic of each individual human being. They're different. Everybody resonates differently. You know, just having met you, just having sat down with you for the last little while, you're a very genuine person. And you have a really gentle soul just having the conversations that we've had. So whether that annoys Tuck or not, things come to you probably more than than you have to chase them down. Hmm. Uh, and back to Tuck. Tuck's the same kind of person. Uh, he really is genuinely... Uh, <laughs> he has a little bit more of a shell around him than yeah, I Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, he's, but he, people, if you can get to the, the, the center... Get it in was there. just goo underneath. The, the, He's the so nugget. soft. Yeah. <laughs> He's just goober. Oh, man. Uh, not, not being a religious person has really kind of opened up the opportunity to be a little bit more of a spiritual person. Um, and it's like I was saying, I tend to read people, um, their their resonance, their their vibration. Uh, I, I tend to see that first uh, in someone, and then there's you know a handshake, and that says a lot. And then there's you know for me, people's shoes are a big deal for me. You can tell a lot about somebody by their shoes or their footwear or their lack of. Yeah, I mean, you came you know, in and I've been barefoot the whole time. You're obviously a comfortable individual. You're, <laughs> I, I will go anywhere and everywhere with flip-flops on. Uh-huh. Uh, it's my thing. But I grew up, you know, with flip-flops on. That's almost where I'm comfortable. Uh, I, I like to watch people. I like to get to know the people in my life that I let in. Uh, I, I like to watch how their resonance changes you know, over a period of time, say a week or a day or an event or an experience that we're having, you know, and you can, you can really see someone's having a hard time that, that, that changes their whole demeanor changes. Everything about them changes. If they're having a really great time, it's complete change, you know, and then there's, then there's resting content 
and and I'm I'm getting to know some new people now in my life, so I'm having fun getting to watch that happen and getting to see the different ways that people vibrate on their own. You know, uh, my kid is, is ones, and you know, I haven't had a lot of time with my kid in the last year, and now I'm staying there again, and so I'm I'm going to take him to school, being there in the afternoon, you know, making dinner, talking, hanging out. He's a different person than he was a year ago. He's been through a lot himself. And and it's I, I'm learning I'm learning kind of the equalizer buttons on how he's resonating and feeling and up or down or good or bad. You know, that's been a really nice experience for me in the last last couple of weeks. Uh, it was much needed, I'll say that, because I was really missing, missing that. Uh, it's my, interesting yeah. you um, you mentioned at the start of that that you're not a religious person, and so that I think you said it like has helped you be more able to be spiritual, mm-hmm. which is is really interesting. Um, well, because it removes the, it removes the structure, right? Right. It removes the stigma. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people, as as a Christian, I'll say a lot of people, in the circles that I find myself in, a lot of people who identify as Christians have difficulty because of that moving into these areas that feel like they're not supposed, they're not supposed to be right. there. Yeah. And you get talking about vibrations or energy of people, and a lot of Christians kind of squirm and right. they get tense. And I think it's it's funny uh, from a shallow looking at that shallowly. It's funny when I start digging into why why are we afraid of those things, or why why does that make us tense? Mm-hmm. A lot of time that it's not a matter of it's not a funny thing necessarily. Right. But, but I've had such such good and intriguing conversations with people, fortunately, some Christians as well, about just reading an energy in a room, getting to feel like, yeah. what's what's going on in here? Why is this place different? Why is this person different? Yeah. What's, what's significant about them that I noticed that I didn't see in this other person? And I think a lot of people within Christianity have a difficulty in like tuning into those things at least in the cultural version of it that we're, right. we've been fed, um, just because it's it's not our norm. Yeah, it kind of lies just outside of the box that we've made, which is interesting because it's not uh, it's not the same box that it started it in right. a long time ago right. on the other side of the planet. So that's interesting to me that that you said that because it is. I mean, I think I don't think it's necessary for that to be how people are like for religious or specifically even Christian people to have difficulty in that area. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's necessary, but I do think it's common. Mm, yeah, it is. And, uh, it, you know, I, I kind of tend to akin a, a standardized religion, be it Christianity or Taoism or, you know, pick one, whatever. You know there are there are constraints to most modern religion, 
and it, I hate to say the word forces because it is a choice and it is a faith. So that, you know, all respect due to that. But I think it's a comfort to, to subscribe to that faith or to have faith in this construct because there are definitions there. You know, you, you only have to wonder so far. You only have to question so far because it's here. It's right in front of you, you know, or, or what, 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 what the religion is asking of you is to stay in this faith, hold this faith, mm -hmm. stay here, you know. Um, I honestly have a problem with that for me on a personal level. Mm -hmm. I've just never been, never been able to be confined very well. I don't do that well. Uh, I went to church when I was a kid. I went to several different churches. And, um, to me, it was, it was fun. Um, and then it wasn't. Because when they start asking you, are you coming, are you, are you going to join the congregation? Are you going to be a member of the church? And, and, and if you say no, which I always did, um, then it got different and weird. It was, I, I wasn't as welcome on, at Sunday school. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't treated the same way. And it was very apparent. And that's happened more than once, more than twice, more than four or five times. And I just have never, I've never understood the whole confine your thinking idea. Just that I, there's so much out there we don't know, you know, and nothing in this world is black or white. There's so much space in between. It can't be this and it can't be that solely. There's just, there's infinite amounts of other stuff in between those two definitives. And that's kind of where I've always resided in, in the middle of that. You know, I've had a million different jobs. I've done a million different things for work, for money, whatever. Uh, there's always an answer and it's not always black or white. The answer's usually floating around in between there somewhere, you know, and it it takes an unconstructed mind like that to go in and find stuff, you know. Yeah, structure structure can seem like safety. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. And yeah. most of us, I mean, it's it's natural and reasonable to want Absolutely. safety. Um, and it's it's natural and reasonable to want some structure and, and have yeah some, yeah. You know, some definitives in your life and set boundaries and you know those are all very healthy things absolutely it's just a different mindset than i hate saying conceding to a faith it just sounds mean i don't I, you know i don't mean to make it sound negative but in essence you having faith and so you're conceding yourself to that faith of what of what you believe in what you hold true uh i i would i would be harder on myself than i would on someone who was a devout christian 
or a devout Muslim, um, that's where they need to be. That's where they feel safe, like you said. That's that's at their core what they need. That's beautiful. At my core, that's not. That's not. I, I need something else, and I need to look at something else, and I'm going to smell that flower, and I'm going to check this out, and I'm going to look over here, and you know. So I, I don't operate in a straight line. I can't do it. It's just not me. Yeah, yeah. I think the danger comes in when. When we, and I've, I've played around with wording of this concept a bit more recently because I've been having this conversation with people, but when you're a child and you're raised in a church, we'll say, you're, you're given structure and boundaries and essentially behavior that is given to you as appropriate or safe. Here's, here's your question. Okay, here's an answer for you. This, and it makes sense to, to start that way. I think there's nothing wrong. I don't think that's wrong. And I think it right. comes from a really great right. place. Typically. Well, it's no different than an elementary school or, you know, um, some schools are more liberal arts thinking and others are, you know, more traditional in their schooling and, you know, so it's the same. It's the same concept. Right. And know? and the problem is not that it starts there. The problem is that for many people, it stays there. It stays there. Yeah. I think that's where we, where we go off the wrong path by staying on on really the first steps of something, of a stairwell, stairwell yeah. that goes a long way. Yeah. Um, for, for a lot of people, I think it's just really hard to recognize that. Because they take those building blocks and those foundations and they turn them not into steps but into a box mm-hmm. and they make it this safe place for them and they think that that's the point. Yeah. Um, I, as a Christian, don't see that as the point at all. Right. I mean, I, as a Christian, I'm, I'm supposedly believing in the infinite being a person that I can get to know, which right. means an unending journey. Mm-hmm. completely unending without destination borders there's, there's, constraints no, yeah, yeah yeah it doesn't mean it doesn't even it doesn't necessarily mean there's not borders or constraints because I have just out of necessity and out of nature have sure. borders and constraints sure. as a human and I have limits to my understanding mm-hmm. and so I have to operate within those confines but I put myself in a bad place when I when I think that I've completely got the answer, right? What I said earlier, I said, I think everybody's at least a little bit right about something, yeah, but nobody's yeah. totally right about everything. Right. If I get to that place where I think I'm totally right about everything, that's really not a good spot to yeah. be. And I think a lot of Christians, if not deep down believe that, at least operate in a way that seems to suggest they believe it, mm. right? There's this mm-hmm. rabbi that I really like who in teaching about um, really making an introduction to a long study that he does, he says, um, he's talking about how to read scripture, really. He says, we don't know everything, and that's actually liberating, not frustrating. Like when you you come to that place and you're okay with uncertainty, It's not, it doesn't necessarily mean you're throwing your arms in the air and saying nothing is true and nothing matters. 
but just giving yourself the room to say something about the way I'm approaching this is incorrect. Yeah. Or something about how I'm viewing this could be adjusted. And that doesn't mean I'm in the wrong being where I am because this is just where I'm at right now. This is the stage that I've arrived at. But if I think that this is the last stage, then I'm never going to get to the next right. thing. Right. And the next thing doesn't even necessarily mean learning that I was wrong. It just means adding to it. Adding to it, right. And so, and this goes back to uh, what you were saying about taking that hour every day, you know, reflection, peace, quiet, mm. some downtime. Um, you know, that that thought in and of itself, what you just read, is beautiful. And for you to be able to take the time to sit down and absorb that and walk that through in your brain and your heart, uh, that's... It's absolutely necessary in order to benefit from some knowledge like that or a concept like that, you know. And it just goes back to all this is kind of cool how this is all sort of circling back and on itself, you know, the constraints and the boundaries and, and what's right and what's wrong and how you're supposed to do things in the world, you know. Uh, that that one hour is probably the most valuable hour you'll have in a whole day when I do it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And that, that just goes back to allowing yourself the freedom to energize a thought, a concept, you know, a feeling. Yeah. You know, and to work it out and find the truth in it, Mm -hmm. or find that maybe this thing was a lie. Like there's so many things I get fed either from the inside or the outside of my brain, yeah. they're just plain lies. Yeah. That's been a struggle, a huge struggle in my life. I mean, I mentioned earlier, we talked a bit about anxiety. Mm-hmm. Like, just struggling with anxiety or depression, having gone through a couple of suicidal stages, like, those things arose in me because I believed things that were untrue. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that this thing is kind of true, but I just have it mixed a little bit, is I was believing lies. And I think that's important to recognize. It's it's really hard. I had a conversation with, I think actually the last one I recorded of the show. I I hope that someone out there that's going to hear this conversation will take that to heart. Yeah, Um, I hope so too. uh, Because you're right, that's very, very critical. Yeah. I mean, being being able to, to call things out as lies is important. Mm-hmm. And I think it necessitates recognizing that there's truth to find. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm never going to get all of it. You know, one of the the church fathers that I place a lot of a lot of faith in, the Apostle Paul said, "We we see it in part right now, like looking through a glass that's darkened." That's just part of being a human being. Yeah. I don't see things clearly. I get to see it in part. I do see it in part. Mm-hmm. And that means I can glimpse the truth. Yeah. But when I start believing that I've got all of it, I'm believing a lie. And it's a really pride-based one, too. Mm-hmm. And then I th- start <laughs> thinking it's okay yeah. for me to go around and telling people how 
the glass they're looking through is darker than the one I'm looking through. Right. And I don't want to be in that place. Right. Yeah. That can be that can be frustrating for me in particular. You know, my child was growing up, spent a lot of time at church, after school care, stuff like that, um, out of necessity. But, you know, th there was some enjoyment there. Uh, they took taekwondo and made a bunch of friends, and, and they really didn't push scripture uh, on the younger kids at all. It, it was more fun playtime. But, but we bounced around from different couple churches over the years. Uh, you, you know, you keep you, you keep speaking to the truth, the truth, the truth in the situation, the truth of the matter, the truth of this. Everybody's truth is individual. You know, you will find what's what is your truth. Um, that will that'll be yours uniquely. It may be almost identical to someone else's truth or a group of people's truth, but your truth is yours. And you're going, hopefully, to take that and use it and learn from it and grow from that. I'm I, The reason I bring that up is my child is 14 now, transgender, identifies as non-binary. Uh, that is my child's truth. And I, I think if we had raised them differently under more of a, let's say, a religious construct, something with a, a, a few more boundaries, I suppose, you know, limitations or uh, guidelines, if we would say it that way. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know that my kid would have had the courage at 14 to say, hey, this is my truth. This is what I've come to realize. This is how I'm going to be. Uh, so I think, again, not having raised them in, in a structured religious manner, but allowing them to have that experience and to have that knowledge, you know, they're... It's there. We're taking you there. If you want to, do with this as you please. Uh, but at home, we're not going to hold you to those things because we don't, we don't practice that, that concept. We don't hold that faith. This is how we do things here. This is how we live. I want you to be comfortable either way. Um, and I want you to be happy and I want you to be healthy. And so I'm extremely impressed with my child. Uh, having gone through a divorce, basically, separation, dad moving out, hard time for me, for her mom, his mom, for, for him especially, because this was really all about what was best for him. That whole, that whole separation was really all about what was best for my child. Uh, I think if, again, if we had been more constructed in, in raising them, that might be more conflicted now in their situation than, than him having the courage to say, I'm, I, you know, this is my truth, this is my gender, this is how I associate myself, this is how I identify.
he was very concerned that I was going to have a big problem with that, which I don't. Uh, I encourage it. Uh, I'm very proud of my child uh, for the courage, number one. Number two, in a crazy world like this, that can invite a lot of danger and a lot of bad things because there are people out there who don't see it that way. And, you know, I want, I want my child to flourish with that truth that he found that goes, goes back to, goes, goes back to scripture or, or, you know, what, what your rabbi introduced in, in believing something and then finding finding the truth in it not lying to yourself not allowing the lies from elsewhere outside to affect what you feel how you feel what you put your faith in you know uh, it's been a tough year for him and I'm extremely proud he's a good kid smart calm uh, well I you know, Pubescent teenager calm. As calm as Yeah, I'm sure that's come with a lot of difficulties. It, yeah, it's been tough. But it's life. And I and I you know, I have to remind myself of that every day. Like you don't this isn't a sit down and beat yourself up session. This is a sit down and let's think about things. Find some truth in it. Let's you know let's think outside the box if there's you know, maybe we planted some seeds somewhere along the way, and let's go check and see how that's going. And just giving yourself a little freedom, you know, to to mess things up and have a faith that you you'll fix it. You know, it'll come back around. You'll find it again. So I remember being 14 years old, and that was a scary, horrible time. And scary horrible time in most 14 year olds lives but you know in this day and age I'm I'm a spectator uh, I'm just trying to help and be there if I can but my kids made made up his mind and they're gonna do what they're gonna do and I'll be right here just be happy you know I got your back uh, yeah and today comes with you know, challenges. Yeah. And they're different than challenges of the past. It isn't, I don't, I don't want to label anything as necessarily more challenging or less than it has been. I mean, we're kind of fed that idea that we have it harder than anybody else. Yeah. But when I look at history, it doesn't seem like that's actually the case. <laughs> um, if you read about things that were happening in the world, even a hundred years ago, mm-hmm. it wasn't that long ago, really. It wasn't that long ago that World War Two is shaking the whole earth. And right. I mean, that's just a hundred years. You go back further than that, right. and you catch a cold and die because yeah. you just, yeah. you don't have any you other don't have any medicine. Yeah. Right. I hadn't figured uh, that out yet. Yeah. The world is is in some ways different than it was, and I think in a lot of ways it's. A lot easier for mm-hmm. many of us. For those of us living in the West, if my greatest struggles revolve around how I'm feeling about my situation, 
and not even necessarily how physically difficult the situation is. Yeah. I've really, I, I need to gain some perspective from somebody who's had it harder. Right. Because I, I have a room here with air conditioning and heating mm-hmm. and carpet and carpet. Yeah. Which, you know, I, I could go for hardwood or something else. <laughs> you can always put a rug down, but that's neither here nor there. Right. Um, I have a refrigerator full of food. Yeah. You know, I got home last night. I'm like, ah, what am I going to eat? Yeah. And the answer was, I'll run to the store real quick and get some food because my roommate wanted to make spaghetti. Right. So it's like, oh, I've got to eat pasta tonight. <laughs> you know, <laughs> my situation is not as arduous as I make it out to be. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. It's not to, to neglect the reality of difficulties in my life or to assume that the greatest difficulties are just material or physical ones. Right. Because what goes on inside here, inside your heart, inside your mind, are, I do think, the more intense trials that we go through. I'm reading a book by C.S. Lewis right now called A Grief Observed that he wrote. I mean, this, from what I was reading today, this is within a month of his wife dying. Uh. And it's him processing what that's like what that to is. go through that. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I could. I don't know that I could pen that. I don't know that I could write that down. You know? Yeah, it's um, admirable. I haven't got to the end of it, so I can't say too much about it. Right. I, I can say that the way he talks about grief is familiar. Grief as an emotion, as an experience is familiar to me. Mm-hmm. Not in the same capacity, maybe, and not in exactly the same way, because I'm not him, I didn't live his life. But we've all experienced grief. Um, it's just certain minds are better at talking about it than others. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the man was a genius. Yeah, he, he had a way with words that many of us, or most of us, just don't have. But I'm really appreciating another sobering reminder that my life is not as bad yeah. as it sometimes feels. Because yeah. well, feelings can just as easily be lies as anything else. We've set the bar so high, especially in the West, like you're talking about, uh, as far as comfort, you know, that the smallest change in that send somebody off for the day. Yeah. You know, uh, and it is hard to, it, it is hard to be there in that moment and be like, oh man, what am I bitching about? Really? Like, you know, yeah. Stoplights. Got to do it. Can't go through them. You know, it's a lot of people out. Shit. Traffic's bad. Yeah. You know, so it's really easy when you come down off that bar a little bit to get pissy about the world and have a bad day. You know, but I just drove past four homeless people with signs on the street corner. You know, oh, they're bumming for money. Well, yeah, but it's because they don't have any. And their day's a hell of a lot harder than yours. You know, I don't, you work at Cargill and you sling chicken all day. 
That's tough. It's a shit job. Pays all right. But that person has to walk two miles in the heat and the sun and the rain to go sit at that corner to ask you for some spare change. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't happen, then they got to walk two or three miles back to wherever it is they have a spot to stay. You know, hope it doesn't rain. Uh, (laughs) I was staying in a hotel on south end of town just a couple weeks ago. And I stayed for a few nights, so I kind of got a bit of an extended experience. Um, uh, so I, I, I don't have reverse in my truck, so I parked my truck long ways in the back parking lot up against, there's a fence there and I would go out, can't smoke in a hotel. So I would go out and smoke cigarette out at my truck. And occasionally I would smoke a little weed out there. If I had some, and I would put it in a certain spot on the back of my truck. So I knew it was there uh, and I didn't take it into the hotel. Right. Well, I had gone out and smoked a little bit of this joint and had a cigarette and I went back in. And as I was walking back to the hotel, I heard rustled noises back behind the fence. And I thought, man, it's a raccoon or something. No big deal. Well, I, went back and I peeked over the fence and there was somebody back there. It was a human back there. And there were, you know, pallets and clothes and bags and stuff. So obviously somebody was just camping out back there. And, and a pretty nice spot, actually. Like, I wouldn't mind camping there if I was going to do that. Uh, I went back in the hotel. I came back out about an hour later and I was going to finish that. Well, they had gone and taken it, you know. All right, sacrifice to the gods, whatever. No big deal. Uh, as I'm going back to the hotel, I notice that just up the street in the parking lot, there's a group of homeless folks hanging out under the tree. And so I went and asked, hey, you know, that big white truck back there, you guys been over there? Uh, and they were like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay, well, don't do that anymore, please. You know, and go back in the hotel and I come out the next morning. And they're all hanging out there under the tree in the shade. And they'd been there all night. They just slept there. You know. <laughs> uh, asked them how their morning was going. Oh, I took them, I took them some coffee from the, from the hotel lounge thing. Asked them how their morning was going. I'm like, hey, did you guys see anybody else back there? You know. And uh, then all of a sudden their story changed. Oh, no, no, man. We haven't been back there. We don't even know what you're talking about. What are you talking about? You know. <laughs> Like, okay, all right. So I went on my day, did my business, came back, went back in the hotel room. Uh, I went back out as the sun was going down to, to do that again. And I left it where I had before just to see, you know. And I came back out about 45 minutes later, and sure enough, it was gone. And I can see them over there underneath that tree smoking what was left, you know. <laughs> The mouse got the cheese. Yeah. So I just kind of politely walked over and I'm like, what's going on, guys? And they're like, oh, man, you want some of this? We found this. And I'm like, yeah, go ahead. That's fine. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> then one of them got really ill the next day. And I was very concerned because he went from being lively and energetic to 
puking and hot sweats and feeling terrible, you know. Uh, and it dawned on me, I'm like, this has kind of been a fun exchange, you know, just kind of joshing around with these guys. And I wasn't really paying attention to the fact that this guy's in trouble now. And what's he going to do? And he can't. Can't go to the clinic. He can't go to the doctor. Even if he could, how's he going to get there? He's not going to walk. He's puking every ten minutes. You know, it hit me hard. Like I'm staying in a hotel because I have to. You know they they don't have anywhere to go. And that was I'm usually I'm usually in tune to that stuff, but that was a really pointed shot in my soul. Like man. And I asked, you know, what can I do? Can I help you? Can I get you somewhere? Can I take you somewhere? And he refused. He wouldn't wouldn't accept anything, wouldn't take any help. Uh, he wasn't there the next day when I left the hotel. He was gone. Uh, so I, I really hope for him that something positive happened in that situation. But, uh, you know, I really, I hurt in my heart over that one for a couple of days because that was me being prideful and, and you know, yeah, well, my life sucks because I'm staying in a hotel. You know, that bar got chipped away at a little bit. This guy's, you know, I don't know what happened to him. I don't know where he's at. I don't, you know, I hope he's okay because he was not in good shape and it happened very fast, you know. And despite my efforts and my my pleading with him, let me take you somewhere, let me help you, he wouldn't do it. You know, so that's, that's, a, that's a good reminder to kind of keep things in perspective. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I have a I have a little affirmation that pops up on my phone every day, and it's uh, change your perspective. This is something I tell myself, well, I remind myself of every day. 24 hours can change the world. Something my grandmother says, so this pops up every day on my phone. It says, hey, and that's my notification. Change your perspective. Be the best you can. 24 hours can change the world. My grandmother's uh, always saying that. Um, it's okay until it isn't. Uh, you are worth more. Negotiate before you decide. Stand your ground and be righteous. Feed both sides and sleep well. So I try to... I try to change my perspective on a daily basis just for a little bit, even, you know, what, what is today going to hold? Is that going to be good or bad? How do we, how do we make it good and deal with the bad later? And, you know, uh, I think, I think everybody could use a little perspective, like just shake the can up a little bit mm -hmm. every day. Be, yeah. I think it's healthy, you know, and it it allows you to kind of deal with the bad stuff a little better and kind of enjoy the good stuff even more if you're coming at it from a different perspective or if you look at someone's situation from a different perspective than you normally would. Yeah. You know. Because we all have our defaults yeah. of where am I going to land in my mental response to what I'm seeing. Yeah. Um, and those are often just a knee-jerk reaction. 
and maybe they're you know pretty aligned. Maybe maybe you're, you maybe you're being reasonable, but maybe you're you're missing something too. Mm-hmm. Maybe I could stand to have more compassion. Yeah, I know I can always stand to have more compassion. Everybody, yeah, yeah, but it takes that moment of just stopping, right? Like we were talking about earlier, and just letting yourself reconsider mm-hmm. to realize that that there's probably a, a different way you can look at this. I yeah. mean, even in something simple as being stuck in traffic yeah. and getting annoyed with that or getting annoyed with how somebody's driving. Yeah. That, that's a difficult one for me in that one of my pet peeves, and I don't have many, but one of them is just people driving like they don't care about the other people on the road. Yeah, And it's easier to see that and get angry at the person because of how they're behaving than it is to see it and pity them because the reason they're behaving that way is probably because they've not been treated very well right? or they're just in a rough situation. A lot of things have led up to this day for right. them, and I don't right. know what those things are. And those aren't excuses, but they are realities. Yeah. And it's better that I embrace that reality and recognize it because I can't change any of those things yeah, than just get angry because of the situation that I'm not in control of. There's obviously a distraction there, uh, yeah, having some empathy, and you never know, you know. Uh, you were just saying, you know, a lot of things had led up to this for this person this day. and One of the things that I've kind of been preaching, really, almost as many times as I say it, uh, is that everything that has ever happened in your life has brought you to this minute right here. And everything that has happened in my life, every second, everything has brought me to this spot with you right here, right now. And in five minutes, I can say the same thing and it'll still be true. And I try to remind people that that is a truth. We are all here together. No matter what has gone on in your life, no matter how bad it was or how great it was, you know, you and I are right here, right now. And if it all ended today, this was where we were supposed to be. If, if the lights go off in 10 minutes, this is where you and I were going to end up in the whole cycle of the cosmos that's where it is that's what happened you know and and we're sharing this and i i like to remind my friends a lot that hey that we're we're sharing this this is this is ours uniquely together here you know uh, a lot of people don't like to hear that they kind of get mad like you know hmm. uh, that's interesting to me to me, that's a encouraging reminder. It's it's intriguing to think of what place I'd have to be in that that's a statement to aggravate me. Uh, <laughs> I think the times that, that that I have gotten that negative pushback from that, it's because someone is downplaying my life or my status or my whatever. Uh, you know, they, they've been financially 
very fortunate or successful and now they're on hard times for whatever reason uh, or, or they find themselves in a situation to be around a person like me because of their situation and it's like you're you're mad because all this happened but we're here together why you know why are you mad about that this is not maybe it's not where you want to be but even whatever brought you here brought you here with me right now and that's important and that's a share that's a, something we have in common uh, so I, I don't understand the anger behind that I don't understand the frustration behind that maybe you can explain that to me you know but right now this is what it is and, and here we are you know uh, I try to remind myself that all the time because you do get in you get in your daily mental routine and you're going about life and you know you forget that you can step back and look at something and, and change that perspective a little bit you know there's typically always some good in it always uh, you know there are things that situations that happen that there you're probably not going to find a lot of good in or the bad's going to far outweigh any good that there that is there Taking, you know, taking a step to the left and looking at it from that side or taking a step to the right, change perspective. You know, there's always something worth, you're going to take something away from it. You're going to gain something from that situation. So, you, know. you and Tuck have something in common, I think, and it's that you both seem like pretty hopeful people. Try to be. And yeah. that's a very intentional thing. Why do you think that is? Why is that true of you? There's always an answer. Nothing's... Even if it's the answer you don't want or it's an answer that leads to a different conclusion than you are hoping for, there's an answer. There's always an answer. No matter how tough the situation is, no matter what shit you're sludging through, there's an answer. So this is temporary. All of this is temporary. All of it. The entire universe is temporary. It's cyclical. It keeps moving and expanding. Why Why not be hopeful? I mean, there's, there's an answer somewhere. You may look real hard for it and not find it, and then you walk out of your house and it lands on your lap, you know. There's no reason to rush it. Just know. Killing yourself with stress and fear and worry and anxiety and, you know, the uncontrollables. Stressing and worrying about that stuff is... All of that pain and stress and hurt and anxiety could go away if you just understand there's an answer. There's, there's, there's an answer to every problem how you're going to find it. It's there. You know, that's... How can you not be hopeful? Hmm. You know, this is stupid. Here's a bad analogy. So you buy your kid and you buy a box of cereal and you know there's a toy in there, right? Well, you got to either dump it all out and find that toy or you got to eat down enough until the toy appears. 
but there's always a damn toy in that box. That's kind of how life is to me, I think. You know, there, there's an answer there. I'll figure it out. You know, it may be the very last split second of my life, and all of a sudden I have an epiphany and I get it all right and I figure it all out. That's worth living for. I agree. I don't think the serial analogy works that well, <laughs> but I think you got your point across. <laughs> I feel like I've had those, and the toy was not in the bag. <laughs> it was always kind of a letdown. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Was there a circumstance or a specific experience that taught you that lesson in a way that made it memorable for you? I wouldn't say one individual. I would say probably the last 10 years of my life, um, doing what I do for a living as a welder, fabricator, and being asked to build things that aren't designed well uh, over and over and over and over again. Uh, a lot of long hours trying to solve problems. But if you do the math right, and you use your skill and your experience correctly, and you draw on those things, there's always an answer. And that was kind of when I started to start thinking that way. Uh, all the hours at work, uh, frustrating hours, trying to figure things out. And then that just kind of became a mantra, and I started really realizing that you can, that, that applies here, that applies there, that applies here, you know, it applies, let's say, let's say you've got to file for some federal aid or disability or something like that. And it's an arduous process and it's frustrating and it's never going to happen fast enough. And you feel like you just can't get it done. You know, there's a question to ask that will give you the right answer. It's there. If someone in your family is ill and it's grave, and it doesn't look good, and you ask, why, 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 why? Well, again, you may not like the answer, but the answer is this, this is supposed to happen. There's a reason for it. And that gives you enough info to have a perspective on why it happened. And you may not be happy with that, but there is an answer there. You know, uh, so it's been kind of a snowball effect in my thinking mm -hmm. how easily that equates to oh, just about everything else I ever encounter on a daily basis you know if there's a problem then there's a solution there's an answer that's helped me a lot in staying calm staying rational making smarter decisions because I'm not I'm not easily stressed anymore not, not like I was when I was younger, you know. Uh, That's a blessing. It is. It truly is. Uh, you know, uh, I smoke. I've been a heavy drinker for years. I've done every drug there is and done to man more times than I should have. I'm 47 years old. And the one thing that scares me the most is stress. Hmm. Uh, that's heart attack business right there. You know, yeah. Uh, so I try very hard to mitigate that to the best of my ability, and a lot of that starts right here. A lot of that starts up here. Mm -hmm. You know, 
thought process and, and outlook and you know so I have a, maybe I've been fooling myself and maybe none of this shit makes any sense at all but it works for me you know it's my truth it's it's what I've found to be a way through all the shit in the world yeah and, and it comes from at the very least recognizing that there's a lot of shit going on in the world and, and there's things that will stress you out mm-hmm. if you don't find a solution for it. I mean, so many people spend most of their lives not recognizing that or totally ignoring it or whatever it may be, and then they get to that place where it all comes crashing down on them at once, and they have their midlife crisis, and now everything is ruined, and they don't know how to proceed with life. Yeah. So they you know, dye their hair and yeah. go get a Corvette and right. you know, whatever it may be that you use to cope. But that's feels less like a, a genuine um, attempt at growing past the crisis and more of a just continuing to distract, honestly, like yeah. pretending like that thing wasn't there. Yeah. Like if you have this crisis and it shakes you up and then your response is to do all these things mm-hmm. so that you can continue behaving like the crisis didn't happen. Yeah. Apparently you've, you've, very wasted the opportunity for growth very ego driven yeah i've I've come i'm coming to terms with that myself i've always been confident and you know some would say cocky i agree they're you know i have that ability uh a lot of the things that have gone on in the last year um were in hindsight now looking back were absolutely ego driven or my ego driven put myself in situations because this sucks but look what I managed to do with it this is terrible but look what I got over here you know uh, and I'm very ashamed of myself for that but it is who I am Uh, so you know the hours of getting down on myself about that are over gotta move on but I learned some really tough lessons about myself. You know, uh, I do, fault of many men, I, I do operate ego-driven a lot of the time. It's kind of a wake-up call, you know. Uh, it's not that I don't put other people first or anything like that. It's just it it's been about what I'm going to gain out of the situation. And it's really backhanded and sneaky and it's in the shadows and it's kind of quiet, but it's definitely in charge of some shit, you know? And so having met that ego face to face was, that was tough, man. That was, that was a hard thing to come to terms with. And I'm still not done coming to terms with that. It's behavior. It's going to be there. You know, I have to recognize it moving forward. And I hope I do. Hope I do a better job at it. Uh, you know. I mean, it starts with recognition. Yeah. As much as anything. Yeah. You know, uh, I've had to own up to a lot of mistakes, and I've made quite a few. Uh, and when I look back on the mistakes that I've made over the years, and all the shit situations I've put myself in, ninety-five percent of all of it was ego. Was my ego. If I had recognized some of this, if, if, if I had recognized some of this 
you know, 20 years ago, who knows? It would, it would be, a, it would definitely be a different life. I'm glad I, I'm glad I, I'm glad I have that perception now and, and, and that's going to help move forward. It's going to help things be better, but that's, that's an answer that I've been looking for for a long, 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 long time. It's there. I don't fucking like it, but it's there, you know, and it, the good in it is that it gives me an opportunity to change better for the better, mm -hmm. get better, you know, even if the way that it does that is just to assure you that eventually you'll come to an answer with something. Yeah. It takes those things, those confusing situations or the hurt to put you in that place and to help you learn that lesson, even if it's just that. Yeah. Just that now when you are in that place again, when you are in another tough circumstance, you at least can look back at it now and think, well... I came through the other one and there was an answer. Maybe it took 10 years, right. but there was an answer at the end of yeah. it. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's reason to get out of bed every day. You know, go find something. It's not, it's not easy for a lot of people to do hmm. because I think a lot of people miss conversations with themselves, miss opportunities for conversations with themselves. I've known a few people who did not have an inner dialogue or much of one. Uh, and I think it's important, especially for kids nowadays, that we kind of teach that, give them that, because they're bombarded with so much other stuff, tech and signals and phones, and, you know. That I, I'm watching... And I'm watching my kids' friends too, 14, 15 year olds, 14, 13 year olds. They don't, they don't downtime. They don't ever unplug and just go for a walk or sit on a bench or you know read a book, take some time because they're just plugged in all the time. So yeah. I, I hope that what I've learned about the world is positive and, and effective and powerful and I hope I can give that to my kid who seems to be introspective and have conversations with himself so I think you know I, I think my kid's good in that respect I, I wish there was a bigger forum or platform for other kids so they could get a hold of that and maybe help some help themselves feel better about things and talk to themselves instead of relying on output and input from other sources. I do think it's important to be able to sit and like we've talked about a bit, you know, sit in the quiet and talk um, and have that, that dialogue to really think deeply about things. On the other hand of it though, I mean, I'll say for myself, that's been more of a dangerous place than others because if i'm just listening to me man the thoughts that go through my head right. there's there's <laughs> a lot of garbage up there yeah but to be able to have i mean i, I can say that the most important growth 
that has happened in my life has 100% of the time been connected to the people Mm -hmm. that I've put around me Mm -hmm. and how I've allowed them to speak into my life and tell me, like, you're kind of being an idiot right now. Yeah. Or that thing you're thinking, that's stupid. That's ridiculous. That's not true. That's a lie. And that's been the battle for me more often than not is being able to check my inner dialogue because a lot of time I th- a lot of time I think of it as a dialogue and not a monologue right and I think I'm just passing these ideas back and forth yeah. I mean C.S. Lewis in that last chapter I was just reading was talking about that how he he people will try and be comforting and use the phrase like this person lives on your memory and he says that just is so sad to him that people would think that because yeah. that's not that person. That someone else is so much more than your version of them in your mind. Yeah. And I don't have I don't have what you have. I don't have your life and experience and perspective. I can't look at the thing I'm going through in the way that somebody else can yeah. if I give it to them and say, This is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm dealing with. This is what I'm struggling with. This is causing me hurt. Who's in, is is the thing wrong or am I in the wrong? Right. That's that's a really that's been a really hard thing for me. Especially because I I probably have been more ego driven than I will ever come to realize yeah. in my life because yeah. I've had while being a rather uh, self uh, deprecating person have also had a pretty high opinion of my own intellect for most of my life and when you have that and when you can when I can rationalize all these thoughts mm, in my mind yeah. I can find reasons to justify what I'm thinking yeah. and I don't want to take that's it to a, somebody else it's a tricky game man. it is yeah. because then I'm going to just keep finding those those arguments to win Yeah. to, to still believe the things that I, that I want to mm-hmm. Whether it's out of a search for comfort or to fit in or to be different. Like right. for me, I don't know if you're in Enneagram things or anything, but one of, one of the tendencies of personalities like mine is to always want to be different. Mm-hmm. Always want to be going against the grain. Yeah. I mean, it's so funny. I joke about it that you can tell who, who has my personality type in the room because they're always the person who will stay sitting when everybody else stands up. up. They're always (laughs) the person who wants to like just push the buttons just because they were told not to. Not to, yeah. And then we all have a tendency, right? To, you know, when it says do not touch on the the sign or whatever it is, I want to just, I have a natural inclination to touch the thing. But it's, for that reason, it's been really... It's hard for me to separate what what's going on in my mind. There's good things in there, and then there's things that shouldn't be there or shouldn't be twisted the way I have, but I'm not going to know unless I go to people. Yeah. And, man, that's probably, among those things, one of the hardest areas today for kids because... In just, this just, world, just going to somebody, being able to? Or? Well, yeah, having those people. Yeah. Because in this world that we're living in now, we don't have those people a lot of time. A lot of people don't. Mm-hmm. So many of the people I talk to don't have people who yeah. they could go to in real trust. Yeah. 
like I, I think I mentioned in the interview with Tuck, I said, if you don't have somebody who will shoot you straight in the way that he will, you need somebody like that in your yeah. life. Everybody, yeah. Everybody yeah. should. Yeah, right. I agree. Because I can go to Tuck and say, this is, I've been dealing with this. What do you think? And yeah. he will not lie to me. Yeah, yeah. And he'll approach it from a, but I also, I know that he won't lie to me and I know he's thoughtful mm -hmm. and he's caring mm -hmm. and he actually is interested in my benefit, my yeah. good, yeah. and not just my comfort it's or not, what I want to hear. It doesn't come from a state of judgment with him. Right. He's never been that way as far as, as long as I've known him. Right. You know? No, it's not, it's not about yeah. putting me down or anything like that. It's yeah. about calling out what's crap and what's not. Yeah. And we've all got that. Interested in, like you said, your benefit. Yeah. 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 I mean, so many people, adults and kids, so many people I know don't have somebody in full faith, in full trust. You know, mm. I'm, I'm fortunate. I have several people in my life that I can be that way with. Uh, and so these conversations that you and I have been having, I've had very similar conversations over the last year or so, in particular with these three or four people. Uh, and they've led me to believe that I'm kind of on the right path with what I'm thinking and, and how I'm approaching this, the next phase, the next chapter of my life, because that's really what it is. You know, all of this stuff is over. I'm starting something new now. So it's either a new phase, a new chapter, a new book, whatever. Uh, I'm very fortunate to have sound advice and, and coming from a place of non-judgment, I can say anything to these people. I can be as open and honest with them. You know, I wish a lot more people had, had that. I, I used to, I used to really bag on uh, psychological counseling and, psychiatrists and you know because I have this dialogue in my head and I've always felt like I was pretty objective with myself mm -hmm. uh, I can relate to that uh, and so I've always just kind of considered the therapy kind of I won't say quack because it's not that it's that if they're not teaching this client this this person in need this person that needs help if they're not teaching them how to structure their thought process to have their own dialogue then they're not really helping this person they're just spouting stuff out of a book and saying well this is what you have and this is how we're going to handle it and this is what we're going to do you know uh i had to have my brother committed over the last couple of months um, i needed help myself um, for alcohol I reached out I got help and it was life-changing but it wouldn't have been uh, had I not come to terms with myself and like you gotta fix this uh, my brother his condition I won't go into um, it was not his fault it was I think it was ignited and, and fired up and made worse by some things that had happened a year ago or so. Um, one of my good friends is a counselor for at youth risk or at risk youth. Sorry. Um, so I'm, I, 
from a different perspective now, I'm seeing real benefit from having someone to talk to, having someone to share with, you know, having someone to give you some feedback with a toolbox and some capability, mm -hmm. uh, you know, so they're not just throwing darts at a wall. Yeah. You know, so I've really kind of changed my whole thought process and my whole perspective on that. Yeah, that's um, good. Yeah. And I mean, as, as someone who um, probably should have been in therapy many times <laughs> um, and never did, I speak very highly of it. I have a friend who's a therapist and is a good, close, trusted friend. Mm -hmm. And she, she has told me there's lots of people in counseling and therapy who, who are doing it, who are not doing a great job and who are using it as, I mean, it, it can be a form of manipulation. There can be mm -hmm. bad therapists who are, I mean, peddling answers that clients want, yeah. really. Yeah. Especially today, it, it's really hard. People get can be very easily offended. And even in a situation where you're going into a place asking for help, not every therapist has the the courage to give you the help when it looks like telling you you're wrong yeah and sometimes we need that like i need a friend who, who yeah. can tell me that i'm wrong yeah. um but the good therapists are those who, who do have those the tools to help you get in the place that you need to be in and not just want to put a bandage on it right. so that you keep coming right uh, it, it, it annoys, or, it annoys you know, me yeah when people and this could be just me perceiving it in this way but i feel like i hear people talk about therapy as it's just it's just the thing they do now yeah. like going to the gym right and they're just going to endlessly do yeah. it for their life it's on my calendar i'm just yeah, gonna, yeah, yeah. right like yeah. great if you're in a place where you need help professionally in that area to help you through something and give you the tools that you don't already have to progress in your life mm -hmm. great but man, it makes me sad to think that people are viewing this service as something that they cannot do for themselves, that they have to hire a professional to do for yeah. the rest of their life. Yeah. Like it's a magic pill that you have to go to, and you can get this magic pill and take it, but you have to go to the dealer of this pill, right. and they'll give it to you, and you just got to come back. Yeah. And there's your solution. Yeah. Rather than the solution is the thing that you have the potential to learn for yourself through this other person. Because there are also another human being who's gone through their own stuff. Probably got their own shit going yeah. on. Yeah. 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 So that's my <laughs> that's my one uh, uh, yeah. admonition for people. Like, go to therapy, but not for the rest of your life if you can avoid uh, it. Yeah. Go, go take from it what is there to gain yeah yeah and then put in the effort on your own yeah 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 and everybody please everybody listening take everything i say with a grain of salt because <laughs> like i said i've never been to therapy and probably should have but um that's my free recommend well my real recommendation for anybody listening is beyond just therapy like get to know some friends who are worth trusting really trusting yeah. Like, 
If there's something in your heart that you are unwilling to share, you need to find somebody who you can share that with, and that's trust. That's good advice. Yeah, that's a that's a good way to narrow that down. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Um, we are getting to the point where we're probably gonna wind down. Okay, this conversation because it's like I say, pretty much every episode, it's a conversation, mm-hmm. and there's <laughs> it's so it's a fruitless pursuit for me to try and finish it right so this is a conversation that i get to start and that hopefully everybody who listens gets to learn something right from. i hope so yeah but uh i don't know if you've finished any episodes yet but they all end with the guest giving a recommendation okay and telling a funny story okay which are the hardest two requests uh, of the whole right? show <laughs> uh i'll have to I'll have to think a second on the on the funny story. Yeah, everybody does. <laughs> um, recommendation as yeah, in, I mean that can be as as trivial as as in like a really good a meal good you pizza had. or yeah. <laughs> or I love that we both went right to food. Or it can be something more existential. I'm sure it'll be for somebody, whatever it is. Uh, well, Lord, I hope so. Uh, I don't want to just be spewing air here. Uh, you know what they say, one man's trash is another man's treasure. That's right. Somebody will hear it and think it's trash, <laughs> and somebody will just eat it up. Um. All right, I'll share. I'll, I'll make a recommendation. I'll share something that my mother uh, has preached to me many times over the years and that I have come to agree with very much is that, you know, you have to trust the timing. Um, the world is going to throw shit in your face. It's going to, it's going to happen, but there's always an answer. There's always a way to come out of that with something positive. So if you feel like you're overwhelmed or if the world's just coming down on you too hard, just trust the timing. It's it's happening for a reason, uh, and there is a, there's growth from it, but you have to you have to you have to give it a little faith, and you have to have some trust in it. Otherwise, it can be kind of scary. You know? I like that. Uh, trying to think of a funny story that won't. This is always the request that gives the most pause. <laughs> Everybody, of all the things that have been talked about on this show, this one is the one that always makes people stop and think. Well, there's just so many. There's so, yeah, there's yeah. so many, and there's so much pressure, right? You get one, one funny get story. One shot at it. Yeah. <laughs> what if people don't laugh? There uh, have been a few. <clears throat> there have been some that have made me just belly laugh. And then there are others that just don't land, you know, in that yeah. moment. And that's totally fine. Because yeah. it's not just about me, you know. Somebody listening will, <laughs> will belly laugh. I'm sure. Whatever it is. <clears throat> you can also tell a joke. If you have a good joke, you oh, can tell that. Man. But I encourage stories because, yeah. you know. Uh, all I have are that's crappy what dad jokes. Uh, wow. So many... So many not so funny things have happened in the last year. It's hard to it's hard to scroll back a couple years, find something funny. Yeah. Uh, 
I, I guess I could probably tell the story of my brother's wedding. Uh, fun-filled, not necessarily funny. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was a big groom's party. Uh, we were all... We were all dressed to the tees, but we didn't get our, our, our groomsmen's clothes until like the last minute, almost within an hour's. Uh, mm. At least I know it was for me. Uh, and we were all trying to coordinate and match, and everybody be the same, you know, because everybody went their own route. And so we, my brother wanted us all in white, white coat, white huh. pants. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> That's unusual. Yeah, yeah. I thought I did a really good job finding my outfit, and I, I was just dapper dawn, dude. I was sharp as you could be, and I was a little worried because I didn't hadn't seen anybody else, and then most of these guys were my brother's friends, so I'm the best man, and, and all I've been doing is coordinating on the phone with these guys. My brother made sure that we all had a green tie, for this white outfit. So we all had the same tie. So that was a big stress off of me, right? Trying to get everybody the same damn tie. So that was taken care of. We get there and I'm actually autom automatically, I'm like really concerned because I'm like, man, I hope I didn't go overboard with my outfit. I haven't even seen what my brother's wearing yet. So, you know, I'm like, I hope, I hope he looks really, really nice too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I'm, so we, we meet up at the venue. I still haven't seen my brother. I run into the other groomsmen. All of a sudden, the flask comes out and all my whiskey is gone. It, it got drank real fast. And so we all had to decide what now? Well, there happened to be a liquor store two doors down so so here's these guys dressed in white all of us slogging down dixon street to the liquor store mm. right and we walk in and we got some scotch and stuff and of course anybody listening to this knows i paid for that by the way uh i let them carry it out and they literally like they started walking way faster than i was I'm paying for stuff and they're gone. So I don't even see these guys for another 20, 30 minutes. And then I go find my brother and I walk in and I, and again, I'm, I'm like, man, I hope he looks good. I hope he looks good. I walk in and he's absolutely stunning. Like big relief, sigh of relief. Like, Oh, thank God. He's looks so good. He had this David Bowie cut all white, like just super clean, super sharp outfit on green ties, cummerbund, all that, man. It was awesome. Uh, we went out, we were doing pictures, and I, I started to realize that all the scotch was gone, too. Uh, I'd had a little that had been passed around, but that was gone as well. So we, we decided we are going to do this Abbey Road thing, uh -huh. all of us in white, walking across the street, up the yeah. crosswalk, you know. <laughs> And nobody's really got a super buzz on, but I can tell everybody's probably more buzzed than they need to be, myself included. And my brother was sober. He was, he was maintaining really well. Uh, <laughs> beautiful wedding, great night. Everything went really well.
but I think I was asked at the end of the night if I was going to reimburse them for the whiskey, and that was kind of the culmination of, you guys already got reimbursed for the whiskey, obviously, because you're asking me to give you money for whiskey, which I already bought, no, hmm. no, <laughs> we got some good pictures that night, me and my brother, and he was, man, like, he's not known for his amazing fashion sense. Yeah, but he nailed it. That's great. And so that was a, that was a fun memory. Uh, it was a great time. It really was. It was Good. a lot of fun. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, you're welcome. I'll say there wasn't like a, a punchline. Yeah. To that. No. So you're welcome to tell a dad joke. A dad joke. Like uh, I, I'm a fan. Okay. Let's see. Yeah. Uh, the cheesier the better. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, why aren't koala bears actually considered koala or bears? Why aren't they considered bears? Um, I don't know. They do not meet the qualifications. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> See, it doesn't take much. It doesn't take much for me. <laughs> I had to dig that one out a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> and it's great because I have a hoodie. Oh, good, awesome. Yeah, that's always a concern when you're telling a dad joke. Somebody's right. probably already heard it. No, that was fresh. <laughs> Thanks, James. You're welcome. Yeah. My pleasure. collected this nickname Bofad uh, and that in, in and of itself is a story